0: To the Cobra Cast with the present VP. For this episode, we would like to thank these valued partners.
2: airborne we'll let you know when you may use approved electronic devices but note that some items may
1: not
0: be used. All right welcome to the couple cast with the present VP I'm the host Ricky Rifty the Prez Logan Got my co-host, Ricky at Dog, VP Ettridge. Um We're going overseas again for another Around the Globe, but mate, we've got to speak about it. We've been back at training for a couple of weeks now. At the time of recording this, we just got to watch Thursday Night Football, and you're getting ready for the first time, Have The boys over to watch Friday Night Football. How oh, excited mate. are you? Oh,
2: my, I've had me kennel built for over a year. Oh, no, not quite a year now, but I've had the kennel built for a while, and... Yeah, I was set up, ready for this footy season. And so far, I've watched one game here with one bloke. And that was Essendon Fremantle uh, with the one Fremantle supporter I know, Morris. I'm thankful my TV didn't get broken that day. So, you yeah, know, yes. I'm ready to go for tonight, mate. But uh, how good was Friday? How good was footy back last night? Even though it was, um, in all reports, a pretty piss-poor game.
0: Yeah, well... Mate, it was good to have it back on. It was a low-scoring affair, highly defensive. Thoughts you know. on uh,
2: the pumped-in crowd noise?
0: Uh, I'm not a fan, to be honest.
2: So I listened I to the first quarter on the way home from footy training and uh, then got home, chucked it on Channel 7 and had this uh, dribble and didn't have the pump-in noise. Channel 7 did. Um, I think as long as you can't see... The crowd, I can't see the seats. It's good. But as soon as you sort of see the seats, it's a bit strange. But my um, well, one gripe, right, mate, you've got this massive entire wing side of the ground, which the camera's always on. Why do they put the cardboard cutouts behind the goals but it doesn't get seen?
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's one of those things that's a
2: little bit ridiculous either way. Um, bit of, uh, so you know, If it's... people want to pay 25 bucks, mate, then uh, they can go for it. But, yeah, well, mate, let's get across to the Philippines, eh? Yeah, all
0: right, let's go speak to Daza or uh, Derek Ackery. He's over there in the Philippines. You're also doing it.
2: Derek, no, go ahead. I think I just mate, cut you off.
0: Started his own league over there with a few boys and uh, had have a great time. And it's the home of Manny Pacquiao, mate. He's the champ. Yeah, so I, the thought I, of all time.
2: I thought I cut you off, but I did cut you off. But I wouldn't mention they also started their own podcast as well. So it's a decent listen if you get a chance to uh have a listen to and as you'll hear from this episode is full of knowledge and you know, he loves a good chat so that uh, podcast is an absolute ripper but listen yeah, well, to this episode of the Cobra you, cast
0: first after you listen to this one you head over subscribe to theirs as well after you've hit the subscribe button on here and uh enjoy Mate, they'll have all your podcast needs covered i reckon
2: yeah absolutely well we'll see you next one and enjoy
0: All right, today we would like to welcome to the show uh, the co-founder of the Philippines Australian Football League and the league national team, the Philippines Eagles, Derek Ackery, or is better known as Dez around AFL uh, AFL Asia. How are you going, Matt? Yeah, good. How about yourself, guys? Yeah, very well.
2: Yeah, well, thank you, mate. Thanks for joining us. Looking forward to finding out quite a fair bit about the uh, Philippines Footy League and the Eagles.
0: Yep,
1: yep. No, thanks for having me. It's a, a pleasure and uh, it's great to be a part of what you guys are doing. It sounds really exciting. So, yeah, more than happy to be involved.
0: Yeah, nice. Well, we'll get straight into it. We'll, well First of all, I'd like to know pretty much how, how did you end up over in the Philippines in the first place?
1: <laughs> well, you said how long have I got, but I'll give you the short answer. <laughs> uh, so, uh, my wife's actually Filipino um, and I met her in Australia. Uh, so, she's Philippines born and bred and... Um, yeah, I was looking for a bit of a, a change in career, um, a few different job opportunities. We found something over here. Um, she didn't necessarily want to come here because <laughs> she's actually from another part of the Philippines, not Manila, and that's where the job was. So, but anyway, we ended up coming up here uh, for work to start with. And uh, yeah, 17 years later, I'm still here. So, yeah.
0: Oh, no. So, is, uh, uh, are the Philippine Eagles based in Manila? Are they?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, the Philippines is made up of uh, 7,600 islands um, and there's three major sort of regions and uh, Manila's the capital city of the Philippines, so that's the centre of commerce and essentially where all the expats are, or most of the expats, and where a lot of the uh, the major international businesses operate from and whatever. So, yeah, that's uh, basically the, the headquarters of uh, the PAFOL and Philippine Eagles is in Manila.
0: Yeah, nice. So, when... What year was the Eagles uh, started?
1: Uh, We started it in uh, 2004. So, uh, yeah, it was about uh, we had our first sort of official game on May the 1st of 2004. And uh, but we'd sort of been talking about it for probably six months leading up to that, Um, you know, speaking with some of our expat friends and sort of talking about, you know, oh, it'd be good if we've got a footy team going and compete against the other teams in Asia. So, you know, the conversation sort of dragged on over several months and a few beers and uh, and it sort of gathered a bit of uh, momentum and a bit of interest. And uh, we sort of had a bit of a kick to kick one day with a few of the boys. We sort of invited, you know, everyone we knew. We ended up with about sort of 20, 25 blokes and uh, had a kick to kick. And some of the guys you could just see, they hadn't, hadn't touched the football for decades. And, you know, they're trying to take speckies and trying to do talks and all the usual things that you do when you haven't touched the footy for a long time and um and everyone got really really excited you know and, and they started to sort of think well wow, this actually might be a reality here <laughs> so um yeah that's that's pretty much how it started back in 2004 yeah
2: so was that the same year that uh you and peter stone started founded the uh, pafl
1: yeah so what what happened it's a it's a bit of a unique story actually because um so Peter Stone and I met here, so we're friends here. We met about uh, you know probably July, August of 2003, something like that. And um, and he's from Brisbane. And, um, and when I got chatting to him, I was sort of quite surprised, being a Brizzy boy, that he actually liked AFL or Aussie Rules. And, and he told me that as a junior, he actually played Aussie Rules in Brisbane. So um, we just sort of hit it off right from the start. And um, anyway, at that particular point, he'd been... Um, living and working in Hong Kong for 20 odd years and um, told me about the fact that there was Aussie rules actually being played in Asia. So uh, I was quite surprised by that. And he said, yeah, no, I played with the Hong Kong team for a few years and uh, they have this tournament every year called the Asian Championships. So a few other teams in Asia, Hong Kong, Singapore, Thailand, Indonesia compete against each other for, for this cup called the Asian Championships. And he said, oh, you know, it'd be interesting if we could get a team going and represent the Philippines and see if we can join in. And we thought, oh, yeah, cool. So that sounds, you know, um, something to aspire towards. So then we, we ended up inviting a few mates for a kick to kick, as I explained just before, and uh, started to build up some momentum. And anyway, so I asked Tony, I said, so what do what they do in Hong Kong? I mean, do they play weekly? Like, what do they actually do? And he said, well, aside from the Asian Championships, which is held once a year, he said, they don't really do much. He said, they'll sort of probably six or eight weeks out from the Asian Champs, they'll they'll start training and whatever, um, you know, doing some circle work, trying to build up their fitness um, in the lead up to the Asian Champs. But, you know, for the rest of the year, they don't really do anything. And I was like, oh, okay, no worries. And he said, you know, if we're going to do something, we should try and do something a little bit different because who wants to turn up and just do training, right? <laughs> like training's pretty sort of boring. So anyway, we thought, well, why don't we sort of come up with a bit of a mini league, right? So rather than just sort of have scratch matches and, you know, intra club games, we thought, well, why don't we sort of dress it up a little bit and, and, and add a little bit of pizzazz to it? So we thought, well, you know, when we had our first match, it was, we weren't sure how to select the teams. So we basically said, all right, well, who's from Victoria? Stand over there. And if you're not from Victoria, stand over there. And it ended up, it was about half-half, actually. So we thought, all right, so we'll start off with that. We'll have sort of the Vicks versus the rest of Australia type setup. So that's sort of how how it started. But then we thought, well, why don't we sort of try and formalise it a bit more? So we thought, well, rather than just call it Vicks, we'll call it the Eurekas. Because if we call it the Vicks, there's a sort of stigma that you have to be Victorian to play for that team. And the other team... We thought we'd choose a name that was sort of something synonymous with Australia, you know, we could have gone with kookaburras or whatever it was, kangaroos, um, emus, whatever, but we ended up, uh, you know, deciding on the dingoes. And so we thought, all right, so we've got two teams, so we might as well call ourselves a league, right? So that's how we came up with the concept of the PAFL in the Philippine-Australian Football League. So the idea actually was to have a team that would, Represent the Philippines and play against the other teams in Asia in the Asian Championships, right? But we thought, well, rather than just um, you know have like I said, training every week or whatever it is, let's have games every week. And that's why we we created this league, and it became really competitive because you know we ended up designing jumpers for each team, we ended up designing logos for each team, and then you sort of you had a core of players that turned up each week. And as you guys have probably heard from other stories with a lot of the clubs in Asia you know, the expat community is quite sort of transient. So you don't, it seems weird, you've only got two teams in the one league sort of playing each other every week, but it's not always the same players week in, week out, because a lot of the expats sort of couldn't really commit to playing every week. Some guys could, but not everyone could. So we sort of ended up with a core of maybe, you know, four or five guys from each team. who became the sort of heart and soul of either the Eurekas and the Dingoes. And we really started to build up this, rivalry between each other. Um, but ultimately the, the the objective was if we're playing against each other and it was really competitive, then when we combined together to become the Philippine Eagles and represent the Philippines, we thought that having that real competitive nature on a week to week basis would raise our level and raise the standards. Um, so that that was sort of the reason why we came up with the concept of the PAPL. I mean, Essentially, it's just a glorified intra club game <laughs> every week. Um, but like, it, it ended up becoming quite serious. Like, we kept a ladder. Um, you know, we, 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 from the very first year, we ended up having um, you know, mark of the year, goal of the year, um, and a player of the year, uh, clubman of the year awards. We've done that pretty much from, from the very first year. So we tried to make it as close to, to a real league as possible. Um, and, yeah, it, it it was a bit of a success. And if, you know, you know about the history of most of the other clubs in Asia, they didn't do it that way. As I said, like Hong Kong, for example, as Tony said when he first uh, was with them, you know, they they just used to train. That was it. You know, they'd train before the Asian champs or if they happened to you know, tour another country like Thailand or whatever, they'd train a few weeks out just to sort of pick up fitness. But we thought, well, if we create a bit of a mini league, we, we felt that that would help us to be, a bit more polished and a bit more consistent um, with our um, performance, and just and just build up that camaraderie and just have that weekly sort of thing going. And uh, yeah, we've essentially played every week sort of during the footy season ever since. So it's a formula that's worked really well, and and a lot of the other teams in Asia have actually you know commended us for, for what we've actually done for sort of doing something a bit different. And a few of the other teams have sort of followed suit. So Indonesia is a bit of a different animal. They've got. You know, big representation locally. They've, they've competed in the International Cup in Australia and what have you. Um, so they're quite advanced. Um, Japan, they've got the Jaffel. Um They've got, you know, four or five teams there that have been competing against each other. But sort of other than that, they, there's no other sort of countries that have a little mini-league. Um, well, not back then anyway. Since since then, a few sort of jumped on board. Thailand have got a bit of a mini-league. Um, Hong Kong have now got the scaffold um you know i think even up in shanghai there's a bit of a mini league so but yeah we were one of the first to do it
2: yeah, it's a hell of a story i tell you what though you living every kid's fantasy about being a start up your own league make your own logos create your own jumpers <laughs> that was something that you know, blokes my age were doing back when they were you know, five to 12, five to eleven five to twelve was sitting there designing their own jumpers and stuff like that so uh yeah, yeah it sounds like plenty of good fun actually um how <laughs> so many players did you guys have when you first started, and how many players do you have now?
1: Well, naturally, over the years we've grown, but um, we'll talk probably a bit further on about trying to develop the game locally. But um, you know, predominantly it's it's been participated in by expats, um, and and expats come and go, right? Because um, you know, generally the expats up here will, will have a job. Um, You know, some of them work for the embassy, um, some of them work, you know, for BPOs and private companies and what have you. Um, So, you know, you get people who come up here on, you know, say a three or four or five year contract and then they're gone. Um, Sometimes they get replaced by an Aussie, sometimes they don't. Um, So, you know, you've got business owners up here. Um, But it's not just Aussies. I mean, we're not talking about locals. Like I said, we'll talk about that a bit later on. But, you know, we've got Americans, we've got Irish, uh, British. Um, you know Danish. Uh, you know we've had a few different sort of expats actually uh, participate over the years. Um, but you know, yeah, the numbers come and go. You know, it's it's hard to you can't really say we've had consistent, steady growth from when we started. You go through a period where you just seem to have an influx of of, of Aussies, you know, and you end up with really good numbers, and then you know it sort of drops away and it's a bit lean, and then it sort of picks up again. So. Um, it's, it's a little bit hard to say, but obviously, because we're a lot more established now, you know, when we first started, there was no internet, um, or should I say very little internet. We didn't have a website, you know, no one had a smartphone. I mean, smartphones weren't even out. So, you know, Facebook, social media, all of these types of things that help you to actually grow the game, we didn't have that back then. So, So naturally, you know, we've got a lot more exposure now than what we had in the beginning. Um, but but still, you know, player numbers come and go. Like I said, um, over the sort of you know fifteen, sixteen odd years, whatever it is we've been going, um, yeah, you, you tend to just have periods where you've got numbers and periods where you don't, and and that'll that'll continue to happen. That's just the the nature of the beast in the expat community in Asia.
2: Yeah, it seems to be a common trend, and actually, not even just in Asia, even across in Europe and America, they're always talking about how they'll mm. have, you know, Australians come in and then they leave and there's been so many clubs I've spoken to that uh, one year they've got 40 to 50 people ready to play. And then two years later, they got 15 because of just the Australian people coming and going, you know, quite frequently.
1: Yeah. And the the other thing as well, as well, Ricky is the, um, the demographic, like when, when we first got Paffle going that, you know, I guess the, the the business landscape was a lot different. Like there wasn't as many BPO's back then um, and, and things were a little bit different. So a lot of the expats here tended to be sort of older guys, you know, sort of 40, 45, even older sort of thing. There wasn't a hell of a lot of sort of youngish blokes. Um, But then as the BPO industry started to sort of take off here, you know, probably say 2010 ish onward, you know, we started to pick up a lot of fit young guys, you know, like 25-year-old guys who'd won flags playing for Ivanhoe Grammar or whatever and, and ended up up here in a BPO or whatever. And Whereas fit and young and, and whatever, and so, you know, so the demographic changed. Um, so you could say we've sort of probably got more participation naturally just because of that. Um, but yeah, same thing, swings and roundabouts. I mean, we're we're actually going through a bit of a our, our golden era is sort of come to an end at the moment. We're we're in a rebuild phase at the moment because um, even even just before COVID, it was just a we just had a big um, a big. Uh, Outflux of uh, of people from from the, the expat community, the Aussie expat community in particular, and uh, we lost a lot of our champion sort of players. So yeah, we're in a, a rebuild phase at the moment. So yeah, that's just the nature of the beast.
0: Yeah, well, I think uh, the one thing you've got in common with all the places around the world is that uh, you know the Aussies go on there to chase their chase the dollars, and uh, once the dollars start drying up, they head back or head head elsewhere to, to chase them. Chase the jobs,
2: mate. Some could argue um, that uh, that happens at local footy as well.
0: (laughs) Yeah, 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 absolutely. But but as I said before, you know
1: a lot of the expats tend to to be posted here, so a lot of them don't want to leave, but they sort of have to, right? Because they're 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 predominantly here first and foremost for their career. (laughs) They're not here to play football, right? So um, you know they've got a career first. So you know there's been a lot of guys that have. Have left here you know with heavy hearts and and what have you but um as i said unfortunately that's just the nature of the beast when it comes to the expat world
0: yeah definitely but um so whereabouts do you guys get to play your games and and have your training yeah so
1: um the training um we don't do we used to sort of do it it's it, the biggest issue that you have and you've probably heard this with other Asian clubs. Um, is is facilities. I mean, in Australia, you really take it for granted that there's, you know, every suburb's got at least one footy ground in it, you know. Um, You've got parks, you've got, you know, so many places where you can go and kick a footy. In Asia, all you've got is concrete. (laughs)
3: Uh,
1: You know, and and to actually find anywhere to kick a ball is is like, you know, rare as rocking horse shit. Um, And, you know, very few Asian countries have the ability to be able to even, host a game on a full site in a relatively full size type field when we first uh, got going we were very 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 fortunate that we actually got to use the manila polo club um which is you know the the most illustrious piece of turf in the whole country <laughs> and and arguably it's the biggest open piece of manicured turf in the country as well um, so we were very fortunate to to have that Um, and as part of the facilities there, they actually had a softball field and the softball field had lights. (laughs) So we used to play our games on the actual polo field um, and we used to train on a Wednesday night under lights um, on the softball field. So we did that for the first, I don't know, four, five, six years of our existence, something like that. Um, Then a few sort of political things came up, as you can imagine, with a polo club, very illustrious sporting club. So um, they didn't actually need us, to be honest. That's why I'm saying we were extremely fortunate that we were able to use their facilities to start with. Because, you know, without somewhere to play, I mean, that was it. We are a dead duck in the water. You know, it doesn't matter how nice our logos are and how many participants we have and whether we have goalposts and whatever. If we actually don't have anywhere to play, then there's no So. Um, you know, we were very, very fortunate to be able to use their facilities to start with. But, um, you know, they have a change of, of committees and what have you. And it got to a point where they thought they didn't really need us anymore. So, anyway, what they did was they shifted us from their main field to their training field, which was still fine for us. So we played there every Saturday. And then there was politics about whether we could train on the softball field. and And when we trained as well... You, you never got anywhere near as many numbers as you did when it came to to a Saturday when you're playing, because once again, who who wants to train? You know what I mean? Um, and once again, expats are busy guys. You know, a lot of guys work long hours, and you know when they they finish work, they they can't be bothered going training. And we've got to remember we're in the tropics as well, so you know even at night time it's still stinking hot and humid. And you know unless you had people who are absolutely super dead set keen. The average guys just didn't really bother turning up, so we don't get, you know, maybe eight to ten guys turn up for training. Sometimes you get more, but on average, probably eight to ten. Where we should get fifteen to twenty turn up on the weekend to play, right? So, so in terms of training, training's never been a really big thing for us. Um, and then as we progressed, we ended up on the west field at the polo club, so that was that was fine. We sort of got to a point where we weren't getting enough people training, so we ended up just ditching training essentially um and then we ended up uh sort of losing the polo club completely and we ended up at another place called nomad sports club which was the only other um yeah a traditional sort of sports club they played rugby there they played soccer there um they, they, they had squash courts tennis courts badminton courts and whatever even lawn bowls um but it was predominantly a rugby slash soccer club so it was just a rugby field so it actually wasn't big enough to play Aussie rules, right? Um, but because we, we'd we lost the polo club, we had no choice yet yeah, to go go to to Nomads. And the other thing with Nomads, as I said, they played rugby on it, they played soccer on it. I mean, that pitch was being used almost 24-7, seven days a week. <laughs> you know, you, you had soccer leagues playing there. You had rugby union leagues playing there. It wasn't just two teams playing against each other. You had organised several comps of certain sports actually playing there so to try and get a slot when we wanted I mean the most popular slot obviously is you know three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon and everyone wanted it (laughs) and because we were the new kids on the block so to speak we we sort of got sort of um, pushed down the pecking order but anyway um, we ended up being able to use um, nomads for a little while and then through, I can't remember how it ended up happening, but we ended up back at the Polo Club. Once again, there might have been a change of committee or whatever, ended up back at the Polo Club, but then that sort of fell out again and we ended up back at Nomads. And then Nomads went through a transformation where the club, um, it was set up as a non-profit club, but the land got sold. It was only being leased. It got taken over and the whole thing was going to be built, uh, sorry, developed into a condominium complex. So where, where the field actually was, they are going to build condos on it and keep all the remaining facilities like the swimming pool, tennis courts, the bar and all that, but build condos on the actual sporting field. Anyway, um, that, and the sale took place, but the building of the condos didn't end up pushing through. So the field remained. So they actually refurbed the field absolutely beautifully. They extended it and made it bigger so it was full FIFA specs. They put lights in and the lights had to be full FIFA specs as well because the hope was that if if they ever had the opportunity to host a FIFA sanctioned game there, they were able to do so, right? So um, then they changed the name to Club United um, and there was a bit of falling out with the old club nomads. I won't get into the politics and all that. Um, But anyway, um, we sort of ended up, being first in line and we got to use the facilities at the time we wanted and, and, and what have you so by a stroke of fortune we've ended up back at Club United where we are now and uh, yeah so we've been there for about the last I think this would have been our third year I think where we're consistently there and um, we sort of pretty much have a run of the joint so yeah it's, it's fantastic
2: Yeah I could imagine if they're uh, building stuff and making stuff to FIFA specs it would be fucking just Pretty uh, world class and amazing, that's for damn sure. Um, so, the jumper design for the uh, national team I think is pretty cool and I understand like sort of how it came about. But, how did you guys come up with that design? And because you mentioned the fact that you guys got the design, the other two clubs, clubs—you, uh, Eureka and Dingoes, Ding, was it? Yeah, Dingoes. Yeah. Yeah. What are them jumpers and how did you guys come up with them designs? Uh,
1: okay, so. For the the Eurekas, like I said, we we first started off as the Vicks. Um, And so we were going to go with the traditional sort of navy blue with the white V around the neck, right? But we thought, well, let's be a little bit more imaginative. So we actually used the Eureka Stockade cross, right? So navy jumper with the white Eureka Stockade sort of cross on the front of it. And then for the dingoes, we obviously wanted to have a a contrasting jumper, right? Um, So we thought, well, Australian colours, green and gold, right? So... Um, traditional sort of V around the neck and, uh, and it was actually me that came up the design for both jumpers. One night I was sitting there and I was thinking oh how, how can we come up with the dingo mind you I don't I'm not an expert I mean, and we're talking 16 years ago right so you know graphic programs and what have you were a lot different back then anyway but basically on a, on a piece of paper I just I was looking through some logos and I looked at the Western Bulldogs logo and I thought oh maybe if I sort of put a longer nose on it and play around a little bit, I'll, I'll sort of make it look like a dingo, right? So so that's what we did. So we had the Eureka's being navy blue, we had the dingo's being gold and, and uh, green with the sort of dingo shape on, on the front of it. That's how we came up with that. Then for the Philippine Eagles jumper, if you can see behind me in the background there, that's, that's, <coughs> that's a Filipino flag, right? So if you hang that vertically, you'll see you've actually got a white V, <laughs> right? So it's actually a perfect footy jumper. <laughs> so the, the Philippine Eagles jumper is, is the white V and then you've got the, the, the red and the blue on on either side of it, right? And the Philippines flag in that white section there is, is, is a star, a golden star. So we thought, well, why don't we replace that with an eagle? But we'll actually sort of put the eagle where it in, where the white and the red and the blue actually intersect. And once again, we sort of, were inspired by the West Coast Eagles eagle. <laughs> so we, uh, we we put that on the on the jumper and it ended up being a perfect woody jumper because you've got the white flee around the neck and then red and blue on either side with the, the eagle on the front of it. So that's essentially how we came up with it. Um, and naturally, I guess, how did we come up with the name, the Eagles? Um, so with the Eagles, uh, we, we wanted to choose um, something that was synonymous with the Philippines. So we didn't we had the ureters and the dingoes for the Puffles, so that's very Australian. But because we're representing the Philippines, we wanted something that typified the the Philippines. So, um, and obviously, you want to try and come up with a name of a of a, an, an animal or a symbol or whatever that's um, you know most sporting clubs are, are, are aware of. And uh, the Philippine eagle is actually uh, an, an endangered national bird. It's actually the national bird of the Philippines. That the philippines eagle it's one of the biggest eagles in the world actually um so and it's an endangered species so uh yeah after a lot of discussion i mean jokingly a few people said why don't we call ourselves the manila folders <laughs>
3: uh,
1: so but we thought well that, that's all good and well and it's quite humorous but manila is only the f- you know manila right we wanted to represent the whole philippines so it had to be the philippines something So, yeah, that's how we came up with the Philippines Eagle. And as I said, we sort of ended up with the Philippines flag and we put the Eagle on that and there we go. That's how we came up with it.
2: I'm hoping that when they said about making yourself the folders, you did design a jumper for that just in case.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, we went to the stationery store and we bought a whole stack of manila (laughs) folders and worked out how we could sort of drape them over ourselves.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, to me, the... uh, when I hear the name Manila, the first thing that comes to mind to me is the Thrilly Manila. I'm a, I'm a boxing fan. So the, yep. the big, the big fight with Muhammad Ali, but one of the greatest boxes uh, that I've got to see through my time has also come from the Philippines and that's uh, Manny Pacquiao. Yep. What's it like being in the Philippines when Manny Pacquiao has got a big fight on?
1: Uh, I tell you what, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Like, Um, you know there's more now that there's a full lockdown here because of COVID-19 right there is more people on the streets now than when Manny Pacquiao is actually fighting (laughs) right Um, the crime the crime rate is zero right during a Manny Pacquiao fight Um, yeah he he is you've never seen anyone that's idolized in a country more than him he's absolutely idolized he's you know like a lot of boxers, they they typify the sort of you know the down and out sort of people, the underdog, and and obviously the Philippines, you know, there's a lot of poverty here. It's a developing country. Manny um, Pacquiao comes from from an impoverished background himself, so you know he's a real symbol of the of the philip the proud Filipino that's sort of risen against all odds and and overcome all obstacles um, to achieve what he has and. Um, no, uh, he's, he's highly admired by everyone um, in this country. It doesn't matter what class you are, uh, whether you're a foreigner or a local, it doesn't matter. He's extremely high regarded, highly regarded, and, uh, and naturally so. Uh, personally, I think he's an absolute champion, and his record speaks for itself, pound for pound. He's probably the best boxer that's ever lived.
2: I'll tell you what, Rifty, you're uh, starting to enjoy this a bit more. The first, uh, <laughs> what, five or six, I was asking about my favorite sport, soccer, and you would sit there start to doze off. We've just got back from America now, mate. You're just full of energy trying to get these questions about sports, aren't you?
0: Mate, as soon as you said we're headed to the Philippines, straight away, Manny, Manny Pacquiao. Just, that's, I've, been, I've been waiting for the chance to ask about it, to be honest. <laughs> um, because, like I said, I love my boxing. You know, Thrill in Manila is one of the all-time classic boxing matches ever. Um, yep. and Manny Pacquiao again is yeah, you know, like you said, he is one of the greatest fighters and um to be in a place that he comes from and and when his fights have been on, like you've you've been there a while, so you would have been there plenty of times that yep. it would be something else to experience over there and and you know, like you said, the guy's done it all, he's a politician and everything. So he one day he's giving a speech in parliament, the next day he's bashing the shit out of somebody. So it's, it's unbelievable. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, it's, a, it's an amazing story, that's
0: for sure. Yeah, all right. We'll get back on track now. Sorry, but yeah, <laughs> had to get that in. Um, but you guys would have played in you know, the Asian Championships. Uh, have you had any success in that tournament so far? Or?
3: Yeah,
1: well, um, we actually, what, uh, like I said initially, when we first wanted to start Pafal, um, and create the Philippine Eagles team, what was ultimately so we could actually compete in the Asian Championships. Um, and in the first uh, year of PAPL, which was 2004, Stony and I um, went over to play with Bali, actually, um, in the Asian Champs, which was held in Kuala Lumpur in 2004. And the reason we wanted to go over there was um, because we wanted to meet all the other you know, presidents or whatever of, of all the other clubs. And we wanted to let them know that we were. This was we were starting Aussie Rules in the Philippines. It was our first year, um, and you know we were keen to potentially get a team together and come and play in the Asian Championships um, and what have you. Bali was short of, of players um, that particular year, so they sort of put the call out if, if anybody wants to play for Bali. So Sony and I thought, well, this is a perfect opportunity. Let's go over and play for Bali, and um, and while we're there, we'll get to meet. All the other, you know, guys from the other teams will tell them what we're doing in the Philippines and see if we can get some support. So um, we went over there, and uh, yeah, when everybody found out that the, we were starting a team in the Philippines, they were like, "Wow, that's awesome! We can't wait to get over to the Philippines. This is fantastic!" You know, like everyone was just absolutely chuffed, and so uh, so much so that that year their very first year, Hong Kong came over. So we actually played against Hong Kong in our very first year and we hosted them. And then we hosted the Asian Champs the very next year. So in our second year of existence, we hosted the Asian Championships. One of the main reasons we hosted the Asian Championships is because we had access to the Polo Club. And on the Polo Club, the field is actually big enough where you could actually put three more or less full-size fields side by side, Right. Now, we only put two side-by-side because side there was nine teams all in all. So we didn't need three. Um, we, we did only need two. But there was no other club or team in Asia that had the capacity to do that at that particular time, right? Not many Asian countries have a polo club, right? Um, and like I said, you know, you'd, you'd be lucky to have a field big enough to play, you know, a half game of sort of uh, Aussie rules on a rugby field in, in most other countries in Asia. So... Um, so, in the very second year of PAFL, we ended up hosting the Asian Championships. Obviously, we were very, it was only our second year as a team, so we didn't really perform that well. I, I think we might have won one game, I can't quite remember. Um, but then we didn't compete again in the Asian Champs until 2012. So, in 2012, um, we had wanted to tour um, and, and play in the Asian Champs. And, like I said, that was one of our initial goals. But the whole PAFL thing of really sort of gained momentum like it, become very competitive and, and we're sort of quite comfortable just rolling with the Paffle on a week-in, sort of week-out basis. Even though we still, we had hosted Indonesia, they'd come and played with us and we had the Manila Cup. I'll explain to you later how the Manila Cup came about. Um, but in 2012, um, they had the Asian champs in uh, Patia. So, um, we thought... It's it's about time we went over and, and and actually played in the Asian Champs. Let's tour and play the Asian Champs. So we cobbled together a team. We went over there. We got absolutely flogged, um, and uh, didn't win a game. I think we played about four or five games. Got absolutely flogged. We didn't have our best team by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, it was we literally just got enough players to make up the numbers and went over. Um, Pethel, we did some fundraising and through sponsorship and whatever, we sort of half subsidised the team, like we might have paid for the hotels or something. I can't quite remember but it was just the experience of going over and when we got back you know we're sort of telling all the guys oh man it was a great tour we had so much fun it didn't matter that whether we didn't win a game or whatever but it was just awesome to be a part of touring you know being on the bus together and the plane together and playing together and getting on the piss with all the boys after from you know Hong Kong and Singapore and Thailand and whatever it was it was just awesome. And so that started to pique a bit of interest in everyone. They're sort of like, oh, okay, this is interesting. So so the following year, we actually won the Manila Cup in 2013. I, I know you're going to talk about the Manila Cup later, so I'll tell you a bit more about that later on. But then in 2013, so the next year, we went and played in the Asian Champs, which was in Bangkok, I'm pretty sure, that year. Um, so still in Thailand, but it was in Bangkok this time. We came runner-up in the final. <laughs> so we've literally gone from the bottom you know we got absolutely flogged and didn't win a game in our very first Asian Championships overseas to next year actually playing in the final right and we got beaten by Hong Kong um, and we, we they only just sort of beat us like in the last five minutes um, they they got a they actually got a 50 we gave away a 50 metre penalty which was very dubious they got a goal out of that um, but they had a much bigger squad than what we did and we we just you know we, it's a big day, like you play sort of five games over the period of a whole day, tropical heat, um you know we only had a squad of about twenty five guys, you know you get a couple of injuries and 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 you know as the day goes on, people start cramping up and whatever, and you know we we sort of fell into the final, and we, although we played very very well in the final, we just we just didn't quite have enough legs in the end and and Hong Kong overrun us and won it so so in 2013 we made it through to the final. Then in 2014 we hosted it, um, and this time we hosted it up in Clark, uh, which is uh, up in Pampanga, um, which is about sort of 100k's out of Manila. Um, and although we hosted it and had the home ground advantage, we felt very confident. We didn't even make the final, so that was extremely disappointing. Um, Then in 2015, we actually made it through to the final again. Um, I can't remember who we played, um, but we made it through to the final and didn't win. And then in 2016, um, it was in Vietnam in Ho Chi Minh City, and we won. So in 2016, we actually won it. So we've gone from 2012 being busted ass and nothing through to playing in um, three finals in four years and winning one of them. So that was... uh, yeah, absolutely amazing. Then the following year, we hosted it again in 2017. Played against Malaysia in the final. Once again, dubious umpiring decisions, but all credit to Malaysia. Um, They played hard and, and they won. So um, we lost that year in 2017. Then in 2018, it was in Malaysia. And that was the first year where Bali and Indonesia actually combined together as one team in the Asian Championships and represented Indonesia, right? Because you've got the Jakarta Bintang, so Jakarta's obviously the city of of, um, Indonesia. Then you've got Bali, right? So um, they've always operated independently and um, they decided to bury the hatchet, combine together and represent Indonesia so, we played Indonesia in the final in 2018 and they fucking beat us in that. <laughs> so,
3: uh,
1: but um, the point is, I mean, we, we turned it around from being, you know, easy beats in 2012 to actually uh, playing in five finals um, in six years and, and winning one of them. So, um, yeah, so that was a big turnaround and something that we're very, very proud of.
2: That's absolutely perfect. Yeah, you said to take it from what you were going in pretty much everyone would have gone into that second, um, me, <clears throat> going into that second competition and gone, oh yeah, we've got the Philippines, this will be a piece of piss. And then all of a sudden you guys are running out there you know, doing yep. what you did. So it's a decent effort. Um, so before I go into to the Manila International Cup, you mentioned about their heat and whatnot. How do the players over there cope with the heat? Well, from the Philippines anyway.
1: <laughs> oh man. like I mean, a majority of the countries in Asia, are, you know, it is a tropical condition. So um, you know, it's it's not just us that have to endure it. Um, you know, m- most of the teams that play in the, in the you know, tropics um, or in Asia, should I say, are used to the tropical conditions. Um, oh, yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, we know that Aussie Rules was actually created as a winter sport to keep cricketers fit during winter, right? <laughs> That's how Aussie Rules actually started in the first place. Um, so to play... Aussie rules in tropical heat is just absolutely stupid. (laughs) But um, but as I say, you can take the boy out of Australia, but you can't take Australia out of the boy. You know, so it doesn't matter where, whatever far-flung places there are in the world. Um, you've got people up in the northern hemisphere, way northern hemisphere, playing on ice. You know, so it doesn't matter where you go, there will always be Aussie rules if there's Aussies around, right? So yeah, but yeah, it's it's just you just. Yeah, you just have to manage yourself. I mean, it's it's just extremely difficult. I mean, you obviously take the, the usual precautions of making sure you're you know hydrated and taking hydration salts and and you know sugar lollies and whatever else that happens to be, uh, Gatorade and, and what have you to sort of keep you going. Um, as I said, you know when you if you're playing in a serious tournament like the Asian Champs or the Manila Cup, um, you know just just keeping the rotations up, just just being aware of of, you know, when people, you know, give a short, sharp burst, you know, you, you've got to get them straight off, you know, <laughs> um, even if they are a, a reasonable athlete. Um, yeah, it's it's very, very difficult. And then on top of that, you know, just the things you sort of take for granted. I mean, you literally have sweat running into your eyes, you know. So you get, you get your jumper and you're sort of trying to wipe the sweat out of your eyes and your eyes are stinging and, you know, you, you try to mark the ball and you're dropping it because your hands are all sweaty and, <laughs> you know, so you know, yeah, just running around in, in totally soaked, you know, underwear and socks and whatever, just just purely from sweat. You know, it's, um, yeah, you, you'd, you'd be stupid to actually, you know, do it on a voluntary basis, that's for sure.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, before we move on to the next question, Rifty, so you guys were there, I come across your Facebook today, and um, you guys were involved in the famous uh, Tony Liberatore tournament where he come across and pulled the jumper on and cop whole lot of shit in Australia for it um yeah uh, what was that like to say a bloke that was you know oh. just having a good time run around without a care in the world but he probably actually really should have
1: well that this is the thing this was actually in 2016 when we won the Asian Championships right so um yeah him and Luke Dalehouse were there and and to be absolutely completely honest they were doing nothing wrong I mean they weren't doing anything stupid I mean you know, obviously the ramifications were that they're professional footballers and and whatever, but I mean they weren't doing anything stupid. I mean they weren't jumping off roofs or, you know, streaking naked across the field or you know doing anything stupid. I mean, and and they played in in B division. I think they played for Myanmar me for memory. Um, they they played. I think they played about two games. Um, but you know, I mean the standard is nowhere near as especially in B Division, nowhere near like playing AFL. <laughs> so it wasn't like, you know, they were going to get a full-blown bump and end up with a dislocated shoulder or, or anything sort of stupid like that. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, back in Australia, it was all blown out of proportion. Absolutely. You know, they, they didn't do anything wrong at all. Um, or Nothing, you know, oh. any more stupid than the average lad. <laughs>
0: um. The haircut he got on the sidelines was pretty stupid. Looking, so.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the old the old fryer taki uh, area had that going. It was a bit of a sight for sore eyes. But uh, but uh, yeah, other than that, you know, they 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 were good guys. They just just one of the boys. You know, didn't do anything stupid or whatever. Um, very humble. i um, just happy to be a part of it. They're obviously letting their hair down. The Bulldogs have won the, the grand final that year, um, and you know they they were just chilling out and you know, having a few beers with the boys, having a bit of a run. Um, yeah, I, I didn't think there was anything untoward about it at all.
2: Yeah, I think it goes to show if we spoke to um the boys from Bali a couple of weeks ago and after the either the O nine or O eleven grand final, they had a handful of the uh, catch cat's roll in on their end of season trip and threw the yep. jumper on. And I think apparently by the end of the you know by the end of the game, pretty much every single player had been involved in the game. Mm-hmm. It just goes to show that social media and not even such a matter, just the media in general nowadays would just cling on to anything because like, I'd never mm. heard anything about, you know, 18 Geelong players from what we've been told, you know, a few beers in, into them, having a kick of footy for no reason. But then you have a couple of blokes literally playing in a tournament that, as you said, the state standards is nowhere near AFL level and the mm. media just decide, nah, stuff, yeah, we're going to, you know, ruin your, not ruin your career, but, you know, put a big big question mark on what are you doing across there which is you know a bit upsetting really that the media because he wasn't doing anything wrong he was just wanting to have a kick and I think that was you know one thing that them bikes don't get to do often enough is just enjoy having a kick for you know without the pressure of AFL football on them.
1: Oh absolutely and that's that's what's so good about it it's like they're like a bird out of a cage you know what I mean it's like you know, these professional footballers these days really do live in a bubble. And, you know, I've got a little bit of a personal bugaboo with the media, you know, uh, in that particular situation that was in, um, I think, October. Um, so the footy season had finished. The media, footy media got nothing to write about, have they? It's the end of the season. So, you know, they just try and dig up any sort of dirt they can to create a headline. And, uh, you know, that just drives me fucking mad. It really mate, does.
2: you're lucky you haven't lived in Australia for the last, like, two months, mate, without footy. oh same old yeah. shit
1: <laughs> oh absolutely i mean i've been you know i've listened to sort of like the triple M, you know the rub podcasts and things like that and it's it's sort of amazing they're still doing stuff i mean i think there's even footy classified and, and whatever i mean what are they talking about <laughs> so, yeah,
0: same old shit over and over that's what they're talking about oh, absolutely uh, and, and, and speculation. We've, had,
1: we've had we've had um you know, a lot of celebrities up here and, and players that have played with us as well. You know, like we've, um you know, well, there's one game in particular, um, like every every grand final, we have a big function where we watch the grand final live, um, usually in a five-star hotel. We get, you know, 250, 300 people come along and we usually invite up two former legends. So we've had, you know, everyone from sort of Ron Barassi through to, you know, Murray Wiedemann and, you know, Stan Magra and Phil Carmen and, and Dale Waitman and Simon Beasley and, you know, the list goes on. And one year we had Ange Christou and Ange Lekas come up. And um, and they actually played, our. we used to have a night game on the eve of the grand final. And they played in that game, like for the whole game, because most of the legends that come up are sort of, a bit past their days, so they might umpire or something like that. But Christo and Lekas were still quite young. So, you know, so they got out and, and had a fair sort of run around. And, you know, you, you just you just see, it's like just they're back to grassroots footy, you know. They're not being scrutinised. There's not cameras around. They're just, you know, they're just enjoying themselves with the boys, you know, to finish the game, sit there, having a beer on the, on the side, having a chat to the boys and stuff, you know. I mean, what's wrong with that, you know?
0: There's yeah, definitely nothing wrong with it, but um just mention it, Riff. Just just mention there was a it. there's a reason we used to ask people about what they do for Grand Final Day, and Ed Dog was starting to get very disheartened because of how good these Grand Final Days were around the world, and he hosts Grand <laughs> Final Day every every year, and yep. and you've just said you go to a five star hotel, you have all these celebrities roll over, ex players <laughs> and stuff, and so he's sitting there go. My part, my grand final day is looking worse and worse after every episode we record. So uh, blokes gonna
2: have... rock Bloke's gonna rock up to Grand Final Day as long as we get one in twenty twenty and just gonna be like So fuck this shit. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> We're going Absolutely. to five star hotel in Philippines. Yeah. All right, but you mentioned the uh Manila Cup that you guys host. Uh how did that start? And and yeah, sort of give us a background on what how that started and who's involved.
1: Yeah, so, so how that started was, um, as, as I said earlier on, um, you know the, the main objective was to develop a national team um, and compete against the other teams in Asia. And we were very fortunate in our second year to host the Asian Championships. Um, but we, we, even though we did try and tour, and like I said, we didn't have our first real overseas tour until 2012, we thought, well, the next best thing is, how about if we start an international comp and we invite international teams to come to Manila? So then we're at least playing against international teams and that helps to raise our profile as a, as a national team, but also um, helps us to, to become better players, right? We're playing a higher standard of football um, and what have you. So that was essentially the idea be try, uh, behind the Manila Cup. So we came up with the concept in 2008. Uh, we ran it past a few of the teams. Like Hong Kong, like I said, they came in 2004. They were the very first team to tour here. They've always been extremely supportive of us. Um, so we sort of ran the idea past Sam and past a couple of other teams and said, look, this is what we're thinking of doing. Would you come over? And one of the ways that we wanted to differentiate it was um, it, it, it was a 12-a-side tournament. And um, rugby, obviously, being an international sport, rugby's a lot bigger here, particularly in the expat community. And in the Philippines, um, they had the Manila Tens, which is a tennis-a-side rugby tournament, which have been going for about 20 years. Um, so we thought we'll we'll sort of leverage off the name a little bit. We'll call it the Manila Twelves, right? And it's we'll make it a twelve aside comp. And we thought that way at least teams don't have to get like a full blown touring squad. Like you know, hopefully they can cobble together fourteen or fifteen players and come. Whereas if you're playing a full blown sort of thing, they've got to bring twenty twenty two. So we thought you know maybe if we do that, we might get a little bit more participation. That'll differentiate it a little bit. It's sort of. We can sort of ride off the the Manila Tens sort of brand a little bit and whatever. So I think the first year we did it, it was called the Manila Twelves, um, and then then we sort of started thinking, all right, well maybe you know we'll change it to the Manila Cup, and then eventually it became the Manila International Cup because we wanted to sort of create the brand that it was an international sort of tournament. Although it already was, but we wanted that to be in the branding. Yeah, so that started in two thousand and eight, uh, and we've played it every year except uh, up until. I'm just trying to remember, I think it might have been 2017, uh, we missed out because that's when, uh, what, what, what we actually do with the Manila Cup, we, we had to choose a date in the year that didn't clash with other regional tournaments, like you've got the Indochina Cup, you've got the Bali Nines, um, you've got the Bali Masters and you've got the Asian Champs, of course. So one of the dates that we figured worked out pretty well in the calendar was May. And so we thought, well, just like the Aussie rules, the, the grand final is always the last Saturday of September. It doesn't matter whether it's September 27, 28, 29. All you have to remember is the last Saturday of September. So we thought, well, we'll make it the last Saturday of May, right? That makes it easy for people to remember. You don't have to think, oh, is it the 27th or the 29th? It doesn't matter. It's the last Saturday of May. Just lock it in your calendars and make sure you're coming to us. So that was sort of what we did. But then you might remember the AFL had this stupid little idea to send Port Adelaide and uh, Gold Coast over to Shanghai. And guess what date that was? The last Saturday of May. So that fucked us up completely. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So obviously that took centre stage in Asian football. And so we were like, oh, okay. So I think the first year they did that, um, we we did it. I think we might have missed it. But the second year we thought, well, we're going to need to rearrange things here. So we thought, well, let's make it the first um Saturday of May, right? And we got hardly any participation and we only had actually one team come and it was Papua New Guinea. And that was the first time Papua New Guinea had toured here. Um, So they absolutely fucking flogged us. Um, They are a champion team. They actually won the Asian Champs last year. They are an unbelievable team. Um, So, yeah, anyway, so we're sort of in and out and then COVID rolled up this year. So, yeah, in the last probably... Three years or maybe four years, we've only had it twice, I think. Um, and Papua New Guinea won it both times. So um, yeah, it's it's been um, it's been a little bit disjointed the Manila Cup over the last few years. But we're we're hoping now that I think the Shanghai experiment with the AFL has uh, fallen over. So hopefully we can reclaim the last Saturday of May again. And as I said, COVID will this year out anyway. So um, we'll see how we go. But just on a side note, um, today. Is the 25th of May, and the 25th of May um, 2013 was the year that we won the Manila Cup, which was the first time that we had won an international tournament ever. So, uh, yeah, so today's a very special day for us. That was the uh, uh, the uh, seven years ago we to the day that we won uh, the Manila Cup, which was our very first tournament that we'd ever won. So, yeah, it was uh, it's a very special day for us. And we won it again in 2016. Um, which was the year we won the Asian Champs. So we, we got the double in 2016. We won the Manila Cup and the Asian Champs in the same year. So, yeah, 2016 was easily our biggest and best year.
0: Oh, very nice. Uh, we have heard Papua New Guinea mention a few times from the Asian, uh, and not only Asian teams, but um, the international teams all around the world, uh, you know, coming up against them in international cup games. And, uh, yeah, they must be uh, a force to be reckoned with. For sure,
1: uh, yeah, oh, they they are unbelievable. Yeah, honestly, they they're all all local players. I think they might have had one or two um, expats, but um, they're all local. Some of the skills are unbelievable, and the, the speed in which they run. Oh, you know, and and because it's Manila twelves, uh, it's only twelve aside. It's a smaller field. It's only it's about one hundred and ten meters long. It's a, it's on a rugby field, but we do it diagonally, so we get a bit more length. And I, at, their, at their speed, I mean, a guy will get the ball in the back pocket, and before you know it, he's at an hour forward. He kicks a goal, and you're just sort of standing there wondering what the fuck happened. You know, <laughs> they they just did it over and over again. It's 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 something to you've got to see
0: it to believe it. It's amazing. Yeah, well, we're definitely putting it on our calendar to make sure we get to a, an international cup to see those boys in action for sure. We well, were saying the other yeah. day,
2: we're like, okay. 2020, 2020 was going to be the Sunshine Coast. They've now put 2021. We're actually currently trying to work out how we can leave our club for a week and come up and mm-hmm. give it a watch and then make our way back to that club with no one being shitty that is for like, leaving them behind for a week.
0: <laughs> Good luck with it. <laughs> Hopefully, they'll just reschedule bring it down back down to Melbourne and not worry about going to Sunshine Coast. We'll all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but you guys also have an Auskick program When did you start that, and and how hard was it to get off the ground to begin with?
1: Yeah, we've we've had a lot of mixed results with it. Um, One of the biggest issues that you have um, with any football club, I mean, it's all volunteers. um, But uh, you know, obviously, in the expat community, um, you know, you're you're even harder with resources because, like I said, expats come and go and what have you. So you, you obviously rely on people. In the expat community, don't you know, volunteering their time to to do it? So, we haven't been able to do anything consistently. Um, Like, you know, we'll have a year where we've done it and had good participation, but then, you know, maybe one of the parents left and moved back to Australia or whatever, and then it just sort of falls apart. So, we haven't had anything consistent going. But a couple of times when we played the Manila Cup um, as a curtain raiser to the grand final, we've had sort of like a kids' game. So, we've got quite a few of our of the PATHL boys are teachers at either the international school or the British school. So they've sort of tried to get Aussie rules into the sort of biz ed curriculum there and um, and what have you. So we've had a little bit of, you know, mixed success with that, but nothing really consistent. But like I said, when it comes to the Manila Cup, there's, I think there's been a couple of years where we've had um, the kids play a Curt raiser game to the grand final, which has been fantastic. You know, obviously mixed gender and mixed age groups, you know, from sort of, you know, eight years old through to sort of 14 years old or whatever. Um, And, you know, it's been quite entertaining or whatever. So, yeah, um, unfortunately, we we haven't had the success we like. With you know, like uh, the AFL are pretty supportive of it. Like, you know, they, they'll, they're they quite happy sending up footballs and cones and bibs and, you know, all that sort of stuff. They've sort of – we haven't necessarily had a shortage of equipment. Um, But, yeah, it's just just being able to get that – consistency and and getting it going to the level that we'd like and ultimately try and get locals involved that's that's really what they've been wanting to do at that sort of grassroots uh, kids level um, but once again it's just resources it's it, it does make it difficult I mean we sort of struggle enough to to have paffle running on a on a regular basis let alone sort of spring off into kick and local development and whatever so yeah, it uh, have not been as successful as we'd like, but uh, we've, we'll, we'll keep trying to give it a bash.
2: Yeah, that's all you can do is, um, times like that is just keep pushing, keep trying it. And from the sounds around the world, it's, um, it does take a little bit and hit and miss, but it, once it gets going, it you know, fruits of the labour do show. Um, so my favourite topic, Rifty, I know you, you've, you've taken it off me the last couple of days, so I'm taking it back. <laughs> um, the social side of the club. You know, what type of functions do you guys get up to and all that type of stuff?
1: Yeah, well, as I mentioned, we have the grand final function. So um, every year we watch the grand final. So I've already told you about that. That's probably the biggest event of the year. It's probably actually the biggest expat event of the year. So you get all expats come along, um, you know, or should I say Aussies in particular, um, whether they're into Aussie rules or not, they just come along because it's a great day. Um, so that's the highlight of, of what we do. Um, then usually every Friday night during the season, we'll go and watch the footy as well. Um, and over the weekend, you'll get a few boys you know, on a Saturday or maybe a Sunday, uh, go and watch the footy at the pub or whatever. Um, one of the things we did in the early days of PAPL, which was really, really successful, was on the last Saturday of every month, we used to have a barbecue. Um, and that was when we were, were at the polo clubs. So um, we used to try and get a sponsor, um, even if they just threw in, say, two or three hundred bucks, so we could buy a whole heap of steaks and sausages and whatever, and chops and whatever, and uh, we're able to sort of cook that on the barbie beside the ground. We'd have a you know an esky there full of you know chardonnay and beers and whatever. So uh, we we really encourage families to come along. So you know rather than the guy just turn up to play footy, you know bring the missus, bring the kids. Um, and I mean, we'd sort of have the barbecue going. So we did that for a few years and that was very successful. Um, so that, that was something that we've done. We've done a race night, like there used to be a horse racing, a, a race course here, which doesn't exist anymore. It's now Housing Development, um, where we used to hire the corporate box and uh, and go along for the night and have a punt. And, you know, that, that was always good fun. Um, and, yeah, I mean, we just... We're a pretty tight-knit community. I mean, there's always someone having a birthday or, you know, there's there's always various ways we stick together. And then we also play cricket up here. So, you know, cricket happens during the off-season, so to speak. So a lot of the boys that play Aussie Rules also play cricket. So you sort of you end up keeping the continuity and the, and the mateship going sort of pretty much all year round. So um, there's always sort of, like I said, something going on. So, yeah, we, we keep ourselves occupied.
2: No, nah, it's good to hear. You mentioned about the uh, sponsors. What what we do like to find out is how hard is it to actually get sponsors for your club?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit like the trend I, I was mentioning earlier of the players. I mean, people come and go, and you, you used to end up with a lot of sponsors from guys who who were players who who worked for a company, right? So they would sort of say, "Oh, look, I think I can get my company to chip in a couple thousand bucks or whatever it is," and blah blah blah. And it was sort of done sort of as a donation, just if you know what I mean. Like, they, they weren't like, oh, we want our logo here, we want our logo there and, and whatever. I mean, obviously, we did that. Um, but, you know, a lot of the guys or companies that we did get sponsored by were from participants. Um, but then, you know, you sort of have friends of friends and whatever, if you had, say, a, a company that was just opening in the Philippines or whatever and they are trying to get their brand out there, um, you know, they'd sort of leverage off us a little bit and sponsor us. Um, so, yeah, there, there are various forms of, uh, of sponsorship that we've had over the year, you know, in-kind sort of sponsorship, jumper sponsors, like we'll you know, give you the money for your, for your jumpers as long as you put our logo on the back. So we've had a you know, mixed success with it. But, um, you know, we've always, we've always had a good handful of sponsors. And, and as we mentioned earlier, you know, without a field, uh, we wouldn't have Papple. But if it wasn't for our sponsors, we wouldn't have papal either. You know, our sponsors have always helped us uh through and, and as i said before you know when we've toured overseas a lot of the time uh we'll use the, the sponsorship money to subsidize either you know the, the hotel accommodation for example or something like that so um you know we've done fundraisers and raffles and, and all sorts of you know things along the way like every footy club does so um yeah we've been reasonably successful um and you know like i said we're, we're very appreciative of, of everyone that's helped us along the journey because if it wasn't for their support we've you now, who knows if we'd still be here today.
0: Very nice. So, one thing we've learned about uh, a lot of the Asian clubs is that they do a fair bit of work within their communities as well. Uh, mm. Do you guys do any sort of that, any of that stuff uh, within the Philippine community? Yeah, we, 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 um,
1: we, we, we do, um, but not to the extent, I mean, some of the other clubs are, are very good at it. And it's not that we don't want to um it's just i mean the demographics are different you know the 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 emphasis i mean it might be asia but there's still every country has its own little quirks and things that make things difficult like for example the traffic in manila is horrible you know so as we're saying before getting people to volunteer to to do things can be a challenge so um you know getting people to volunteer to do a lot of these community things can be a challenge so um what we tend to do is piggyback off other organisations. So you have other expat organisations here that do, you know, support charities or, or have charities themselves. So we sort of side up with them, if you know what I mean, and sort of going together and and help out where we can and leverage off their their sort of infrastructure and what have you, um, in, and donate however we can, whether it's you know food or clothing or or going out and and doing whatever we can. Um, that's you know a little bit more of an individual thing, um, as in you know individuals amongst our group. If they they want to do it, they can, um, and do it. So we, we we obviously give support where and however we can. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a little bit like trying to develop the game locally here. It it just has its certain quirks and challenges that it's not quite as easy as what people think.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's um, something we don't envy. We've got uh, enough challenges of our own and. and could Imagine, um, yeah, in foreign lands trying to use uh Aussie rules, a lot of people probably go, We don't even know what the hell you're talking about, so um, yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. And, the, and the, the good thing is, um, rugby's, um, I mentioned earlier, is obviously an international sport, and and here you've got the PRFU, which is a Philippine Rugby Football Union. And uh, and they're very well established. They actually started as as a as a union around the same time as Hafford. Um, actually, a little bit after we actually started before them technically. Um, but they they get you know support through the IRB and and what have you and and uh, you know have a lot more international support. But you know they've got um, mini leagues and so many teams all over the country, and they do a really good job of you know. Um, charity work and, and developing the locals and what have you, which is a little bit, I wouldn't say strange, but obviously rugby's... Filipinos are generally sort of quite docile, laid-back people. <laughs> uh, you know, you wouldn't think rugby's quite their game. Like, Aussie rules would be more suited, if you know what I mean. Like, rugby, as you know, it's just hammering yourself against each other, right? It's quite an aggressive sport. Um, but the PRFU have had quite a lot of success when it comes to... Uh, you know, charity work and community development and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, we have a few PAFL guys that, you know, do play rugby and, and whatever, and a few PAFL guys that also play rugby. So there's a bit of a crossover. So, you know, we sort of also leverage off, off the PRFU and through them and we all sort of help and support each other because at the end of the day, we're all trying to do the same thing. We're all trying to develop our respective sports in, in, in the country. And because we're Aussies and expats and whatever, we, we, we tend to stick together and, and sort of help each other out. So that's another avenue in which we, we provide some um, local community support and assistance as well.
0: Yeah, very nice. And I, I see you've also started a, a podcast of your own called the Paffle Chat Podcast, uh, yep. hosted by yourself and uh, Hammo. Yeah. Uh,
2: how,
0: how did that all get started and how's it all going?
1: Well, that's that's totally the brainchild of, of Hamo, so I can't take any credit for it whatsoever. <laughs> um, Hamo's Hamo's really good when it comes to these sort of things. He's he's reasonably savvy when it comes to technology and what have you. Um, and the other thing with Hamo, uh, for those for you, for you that don't know, he's the only person in the history of Paffle who voluntarily took on the role of president. Right, um, we've had several presidents over the year, and you know what it's like if you turn up. Uh, sorry, if you're not there when they're voting for who's going to be president, guess who they vote for. You turn up next week, it's like, oh, guess what, Derek, you're president now. <laughs> you know, so so just about everyone that's been president of PAPL over the years has reluctantly taken the job on, um, whereas Hamo is the only guy that literally said, yeah, I'll do it, and and and, has, and did a fantastic job. He's no longer the president, but. I think we can say that unofficially he still pretty much runs the club at the moment. I've taken a back seat um, and did quite some time ago. Um, So, yeah, the podcast was Hamo's idea. And obviously with COVID, it's like, well, how do we keep the footy vibe going, right? So he came up with the idea of, well, let's do the podcast. So he spoke to me about it. Um, I've, through the uh, grand final functions and that, we used to do a podcast a segment called On the Couch, which we used to do before the game, before the actual grand final. And as I said, we'd have legends come up every year. There's usually two legends. So I'd, I'd interview them um, on the couch and talk about their career highlights. We'd have some video and all that stuff. Or we'd have a bit of a piss take and a joke and talk about their career and what have you. So as I mentioned, we've had, you know, a number of different legends come up over the years. So I've I basically run that for about 10 years. So, you know, I'm sort of reasonably... At interviewing and what have you, so Hamo sort of got me on board, and he said, "Oh, you know, let's let's do this together." And I'm like, "Yeah, great idea. You know, helps to keep people entertained during the uh, the lockdown. We're not playing football here. There's no football in Australia, so um, let's get the podcast going and you know, um, interview you know past legends and whoever else from around Asia or you know along the lines of what you guys are doing, except your outreach is a lot bigger than ours, <laughs> uh, and who knows where we'll go." Um, and even just this week, AFL Asia released their first uh, podcast. So I think they've uh, copied us. Or should I say taken some inspiration from us. <laughs> um, so, yeah, who knows? There might be a few other clubs around Asia popping up, doing some podcasts uh, during this sort of COVID lockdown period. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty much how it started. And um, just this week, we ticked over 1,000 downloads. So that was a big milestone for us, getting 1,000 downloads. And And as you guys know, um, you know not everybody that actually listens downloads so you know potentially there's five or ten times more people that listen than actually download. so um, our audience could be a lot larger than than what the numbers tell us but uh, no it's been good fun it's been very well received uh, you guys have heard it so it's it's great to know that there's you know various clubs around the world wherever they happen to be that are that are catching on to it so uh, no, it has been fantastic
2: now, it's a great show I've given a couple of listeners during my work days since I'm a really avid podcast listener and I did say that uh, AFL Asia had started one the other week, uh, the other, uh, like the last week, recording, I think went out with um, Matt Gale. He actually did mention to us when we spoke to him about they were uh, about to do one. So I think I don't think it's a bad thing that clubs uh, people during this period starting to release podcasts. It's more now what people are going to actually be able, to, you know, once life goes back to normal, are going to have, you know, want to actually keep doing it. And I think that's where mm. you're going to find these people that, you know, he sent me a Facebook thing the other week about just podcasting and you know, a bit of a joke, but the amount of people that I think have started a podcast in the last month or two, you know, mm. the ones that continue on with it as we're going to, as I know you guys are going to, they'll be the ones that you know outlast and get more traction once people start you know, dropping off and shit like that. So you know, credit yep. to you fellas and um, big shout out to Hamo too, because I think when I shot through an uh, you know, Instagram message to your page, he was. Back within mm. a, within a you know, split second, and within yep. I reckon The space of three hours, he'd hooked you, you and me up by email, and was you know really raring to go. So credit to Hamo for the you know, work that he does for you guys. Um, yeah,
1: no, he's done a great job.
2: And it, again, you know, volunteer to be to be a president, you know, just put your hand up for it. It's, uh, it's a oh, yeah. thing to do. Yeah. I, I personally wouldn't do it, Rifty. So I don't think about trying to uh, shove you into that rock <laughs> That's yours.
0: Cause... I was gonna say. I- me and Hamo must have something in common with probably the only blokes that actually volunteered to become president and uh, <laughs> like my, my the president I uh, before me he was hammered for about 10 years before he actually took up the role uh, <laughs> so they, they yeah, they just wore him down until he finally took the job
2: so <laughs> let's see how long it takes to wet them to wear you down Rift until you want to walk away from the job <laughs> um yeah. But anyway, so like, what's been your biggest highlight being involved in footy over there?
1: Biggest highlight? I mean, I think clearly winning the Asian Champs in 2016. I mean, that that's, like I said, when we first started the club in 2004, the objective was to get a, a team to represent the Philippines and play in the Asian Championships. It actually wasn't to win the Asian Championships. It was just to play in it. <laughs> um and not only did we play in it, um, but uh, we did win it. So that was that was uh, a massive, um, yeah. That, that was like reaching the top of the mountain. That was the ultimate. Like if we never win another one ever again, uh, I'll die a happy man. <laughs> it was uh, an amazing experience. Um, 2013 Manila Cup. I mean, that was our first international tournament victory. Um, you know, I, I, I yeah, I still remember that almost like it was yesterday. It was just absolutely incredible. Um, and it just so happened that year um, for the Manila Cup, we had a touring party up here that was um, hosted by the VFL Premiership Players Club, which is uh, run by a guy by the name of Finlay Davis and, um, and also a guy by the name of uh, Dave Mitchell. And Dave Mitchell used to be a goal umpire in the VFL. He actually was the goal umpire in the 1988 grand final. So he's been coming up and back from the Philippines for 30-odd years, and he's a, a partner in a, in a hotel up here and what have you. So he comes up here several times a year, but he started bringing up some players around Manila Cup time. And uh, it just so happened in the 2013 Manila Cup, we had Ron Barassi and Murray Wiedemann here, right? So um, to be presented with the Manila Cup. So it was incredible that we won it to start with, our first international tournament win. But to actually be presented the cup by Murray Wiedemann and Ron Barassi, I mean, geez, I mean, it just doesn't get any better. Talk about a fairy tale. And I'm a Collingwood supporter, so obviously Murray Wiedemann at that particular time, was one of only four living Collingwood Premiership captains. Um, and and I didn't know this, but him and Ron Barassi were actually very good friends. Um, they played together and against each other as, as juniors, um, and and obviously ended up competing against each other, Collingwood and Melbourne and what have you. So, um, to, to see them, you know, as mates for, you know, 60-odd years up here and enjoying the footy um, and all of that and the whole atmosphere and we won it. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it just doesn't get much better than that. So, I'd say that they, you know, are clearly my two um, most favourite memories.
0: Nice. Yeah, that's some decent highlights and, yeah, getting uh, presented a... The cup from Ron Brassi and uh, Murray Wiedemann would, would have been something, especially uh, being a Collingwood supporter. Uh, would have been the little boy inside of you would have been going, oh, my God, I can't <laughs> believe this. Um, oh,
1: yeah. I, I lost control of all my bodily functions that
0: day, I tell you. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, we like to finish off with uh, a little bit funny, funny sort of stuff. So we want you to throw some uh, teammates or, you know, guys that you've – you've played alongside or you even just watch play in the Philippine teams that you've been involved with. So, um, yeah, we'll give you a couple little things to um, and throw these guys under the bus. So, what's your first, <laughs> what's your first one, Ethel? All
2: right, mate. So, who at the Philippine Eagles or the you know, Eureka and the Dingoes? With, you say it's the ladies' man.
1: Clearly, Evan Spargo. Um, he, 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 he's an absolute champion player. I mean, he's, he's got medals upon medals. Um, he's half Australian, half Filipino. He was living up here for several years and actually just repatriated um, in February, just before COVID, actually. So um, he'd been up here since about 2013. Sort of um, male model, sort of part-time actor, um, MC at weddings and whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the women just loved him.
2: Oh, I was going to say, it's always nice when somebody uh, can think of something so quick, but yeah, when you're a model and part-time <laughs> actor, it's pretty pretty obvious, isn't it? Um, yeah. So the class clown, the joker. The class clown, that'd
1: be Hamo. Yeah, Hamo's ha- a prankster, you know, he's, he's got a very dry sense of humor, very sarcastic. Um, you know, he's always looking to rip the piss out of people, practical jokes, you name it. Yeah, he's, he's a class clown for sure.
0: Oh, what about the biggest party animal?
1: Biggest party animal. Um, Can I say myself? I I think if you were to ask anyone else in the PATHL, they'd say me. (laughs) Uh, So, but if I had to nominate someone else, um, oh, geez, there's a pretty long list. Uh, I'd probably say Winner. Uh, Winner would probably be the biggest party animal.
0: Yeah, all right. I wonder how that
2: nickname come about. Winner. It's a weird one. Winner, yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, his name's actually... He's, he's Filipino. Interesting story. We interviewed him on one of our podcasts, so if people want to go back and listen to it. But he's an Aussie, born, sorry, he's a Filipino born in the Philippines, migrated to Australia when he was about five, grew up playing Aussie rules in Australia, um, migrated back here when he was about 30 years of age or something like that. So he's, he looks Filipino, but if you spoke to him without seeing his face, he sounds like me. Um, he's a unique individual, um, but yeah, he, he, he doesn't mind a party.
0: Okay, all right, nice. Um, what about the bloke that just takes the game far too seriously. Oh, gee whiz. Um,
1: Past or present?
0: Oh, wherever. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Okay. There's a couple that spring to
3: mind. Uh,
1: You know, there's a few guys who get white line fever. Um, But we had a guy um, who actually was the deputy ambassador of Australia in the Philippines by the name of Steve Scott. Um, And no-one got white line fever like him. Like, he, he took the game, like, so seriously. He abused the umpires. He was just, you know, he, yeah, he, he really, really wore his heart on his sleeve. And, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd probably say he, he'd probably be the first vote of someone who's, who takes it way too serious. But uh, there's another guy of more recent times, Craig Marsh. Um, yeah, talk about white line fever. Um, he's a, a, a rugby background guy. He's originally from Sydney. Um, but has turned into a very handy Aussie rules player. So he plays very hard. But um, yeah, you can see the whites in his eyes when he's playing. And uh, yeah, he normally remonstrates with the umpires and, and so forth and, and other people and doesn't mind punching on with teammates and stuff as well either. So yeah, he, he can get pretty heated too.
2: Yeah, that is pretty bloody ass serious. Um, so what two blokes at the club would have the biggest bromance?
1: Oh, gee whiz. Uh, this is an interesting one. Going back to Evan Spargo. Um, we, we, we had a, a bit of an influx of some younger guys playing in Paffel. Um, you know, guys that were sort of in their early 20s. And, and Spargo, when he first started with Paffel, was in his early 20s. I, think, I can't remember how old he is now. I think he's about 28, 29, something like that now. So he sort of became like a little bit of a father figure to these little sort of group of millennial guys. <laughs> and, uh, you know the types of guys who sort of wear shoes with no socks and the sort of three-quarter length pants and that type of stuff, you know. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, if you want to call it a romance, I guess we we yeah we used to call them the Paffle Pups. And uh, and, and they, they used to sort of follow Spargs around. It was like the old cartoon. Remember the bulldog trotting around the little puppies following him around? Where are we going next, George? Where are we going next, George? It was sort of a, a, almost a little bit like that. So, yeah, it's, in terms of a bromance, I'd say uh, Spargs and the Paffle Pups.
0: Oh, very nice. He had his own little followers. That's uh, pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> I had to, I've just jumped on Facebook because I got to. I had to check out this Evan Spargo. See, see what all the hype's about. And, and he's not <laughs> a bad looking bloke. And I can see he's uh, celebrating with her, uh His uh, cover photo is still the 2016 Asian champs picture. So. Yeah,
1: yeah, he was the captain of that uh, of our of our winning team then. So and made it into the all Asian team as well. So um, yeah, no, he's he's by far and away one of our best players, and we've got him coming up soon on one of the Papal podcasts. I don't want to let the cat out of the bag. I'm not sure when this podcast will air. It may air after we've interviewed Evan, but uh, yeah, keep your eye out for, for when Spuds comes out on the Papal Chat
0: podcast. Yeah, for sure we will. Um, well while we're talking about that, we're going to wrap this up. So shout out all your social media and your podcasts. Everyone knows where to go and follow along with you guys.
3: Yeah.
1: So uh, obviously our website, uh, you know, paffle.com.bh is where you'll find us. Um, And from there, um, you know, Facebook, same thing. If you type in, I think Papal, uh, you'll find us. I think we're on Instagram. Uh, We've got a YouTube channel, which is Papal footy, all one word. Um, So there's some videos of, some of the tours that we've done, some of the behind-the-scenes fun shenanigans that we've got up to over the years. So, but, uh, yeah, papal.com.ph, that's that's the starting point of where you'll find us.
0: Yeah, beautiful. We'll make sure we share all those when this goes up. Um, thanks heaps for your time. It's uh, been a great chat. It's been good to learn about, uh, you know, not only somebody that started a team, but started a, a league in them pretty much themselves with a few others. So that's pretty interesting. And um, yeah, we'll, I'll be checking out your podcast as well. So is there anything else that dog you want to add?
2: I just want to thank you for joining us, man. Really do appreciate it. You know, it's nice to, uh, I spent the last week in America. So it's quite nice. And now be back in you know, mm-hmm. sort of closer to home and you know, away from uh, sort of learning more about the actual game in that one country instead of just the club. So it's been nice, man. Um, once we get into our rooms, which hopefully we, uh, when this goes out, hopefully we already have been into our rooms and we'll grab, grab out a polo shirt or something like that from our uh, storage and send it across to you guys as a bit of a thank you and a bit of a mateship thing from St. Ann Cobras.
1: Fantastic. Thanks very much. And I'd and, uh, just like to thank you guys as well for uh, for inviting us to come on here. Um, you know, reading about what you guys have done, a little bit like what me and Hamo started the podcast. You never know where it's going to go. It just sort of start off as a bit of fun, and and the next thing you're getting inquiries left, right, and center. You you've got people wanting to sponsor, and and all sorts of stuff. It's just uh, one of those things that happens. So I think what you're doing is is very good. So keep up the good work, and uh, yeah, thanks very much for having us on. It's been uh, very entertaining and great having a chat.
0: Oh, awesome, mate. Thanks for joining us, and uh, good luck with everything going on this year and hopefully uh, next year you're able to get your Manila Cup up and then you know even take it home next year
1: yep fantastic All right, no worries guys
0: thanks very much thanks
2: mate cheers
0: thanks again for joining us for this episode of the CobraCast with the President VP Uh, thanks again to our guest and make sure you go check out all their social media and follow along with their journey but Where can everyone go to to get these links and stuff?
2: Mate, you head to our Facebook page. uh, You can search the Sandan Cobras Football Netball Club or Sandan Cobras FNC. Our Instagram at Sandan Cobras FNC. Our Twitter page at Sandan Cobras. There's another page on there at Sandan Cobras FC. Ignore that. Twitter won't delete it for some reason. Uh, You can also check out the Cobracast on iTunes and Spotify. Um, other than that, mate, I reckon that's about it. Oh, sorry, you can also head to our website ww.sandancobra's Being re remastered, re- 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 all good to go. New website. That's it, mate.
0: Yeah, go check it all out. Make sure you follow along all the clubs that we've had on and, and uh you know, follow along their journey as they keep going in Aussie rules all around the world. So we hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks for watching the CobraCast with the present VP. And if you need somebody to talk to, why not contact New Life Psychology in Berwick? They are now taking phone appointments. Or you could head to otlr.com.au for tips and info. And we are supporters of TAC's Towards Zero campaign. Head to towardszero.vic.gov.au for more info, because zero is the only acceptable number.